Time's up. The Amazon bids are due. But as cities around the country put their chips on the table, there's a public policy question looming in the background. Do we need a prize like this, a company with 50,000 jobs in tow, to help us set public policy? Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Moe of Commonwealth Magazine, and with me today are Shirley Leong, a columnist for the Boston Globe, and Chris Dempsey, the Director of Transportation for Massachusetts. Let's start with you, Shirley. You and a team from the Globe published a Dear Jeff, as in Jeff Bezos, special section on Sunday, laying out what Amazon can and should do for Boston and the region if the company selects Boston. Tell us what prompted it and what a newsroom commentary is. Um, Well, you know, this is one of the big stories of the year, I mean, around the country, that Amazon would create a second headquarters, invest $5 billion, create 50,000 jobs. And so this, we felt that this is something that Boston should take seriously. And we wanted to inject some ideas on, uh, you know, how we could improve our Boston bid. And also, what if we don't get Amazon, and there's a high chance that we won't get Amazon, we're competing with probably over 100 proposals, um, and that, that we do something about uh, some of the issues that we have here, like housing and transportation and education. And that's something that Jeff Bezos can be a partner in if he is going to invest that much money here. So I like the boldness of the idea, but when I read your column as mm-hmm. part of the package, it's, you didn't say it quite this way, but you sort of said we need a, a, a deadline like this. It's like a reporter. You need a deadline to get the mind working and get something done. And I, I just sort of wondered what that says about public policy in Massachusetts. T- talk about that. Do you, do you really feel we need a big event like this to to galvanize us to do something? I mean, look, Amazon, Jeff Bezos dropped this off in September, and suddenly everybody, uh, you know, from Boston to Worcester to Western Mass is paying attention to economic development in a big way. We, I feel like we do need a deadline. Well, but so, so all this public policy rumbling along on many of the issues you guys raised is sort of, uh, we're spinning our wheels? Is, is that what you... Well, I guess I'm saying that we we're we're not we are doing some things like i think about um mayor walsh he is making a dent on housing trying to make more workforce housing he is he is doing that but boston alone can't solve housing you need the suburbs to build more housing and um same thing with transportation um you know, Charlie Baker is trying to fix the T, but in the end, we'll probably need a big investment in the T. Um, and besides the T, what about traffic in Boston? Something has to, something big has to be uh, done about that. We had a story about how uh, the duck tours and right. other buses are cutting sightseeing sites like Faneuil Hall and Seaport District because there's too much traffic. So I feel like we, we need to do something. Chris, um, you have some expertise on the transportation front and also on the big event type issue. Yeah. You, you you helped spearhead the no Boston Olympics effort. What do you think in terms of public policy? Do we need some kick in the pants to, to get our act together? Sure. Well, let me start with a couple areas where Shirley and I agree. So the first thing <laughs> is that we, we agree that adding Amazon would be great to the city. We've got this awesome 
tech uh, economy and ecosystem today, and adding Amazon would be good. So I am all for the the city and other the city of Boston and other cities around the state submitting bids. And I think it's really interesting when you look at people like Mayor Kernatoni in Somerville proposing a regional bid that would connect different cities together. I think the other place where Shirley and I agree is that we have these huge challenges in transportation and housing and other things. And we need to be coming up with innovative solutions and embracing innovative solutions to solve those problems. But I want to use uh, Boston 2024 and the Olympics as an example and as a kind of a thought exercise here. And I'll use the analogy of, of dating. So Boston 2024 was looking for a summer fling, right? That's what the Olympics were, as a summer fling. Now, Amazon, to its credit, is looking for a long-term relationship. They're looking for something that's going to last. What I would say, though, and my, my challenge with Shirley's piece and the, the thought that Amazon is going to save us is that when you're out there in the dating world and you're having your trials and tribulations about who your future person is going to be, you don't say, well, I want to pick someone that's going to solve the problems that I have in my life. You actually want to do the reverse. You want to focus on the things that are challenges in your life and fix those things. And then you start to open up the world to all these attractive opportunities and attractive mates. And so I fear that we are searching for this savior when in fact we are our own saviors and should be our own saviors. And we should be focused on what can we do to make our lives better, to improve our commutes, to add more housing. And that will actually attract companies like Amazon in the long run. And I think that should be the focus, not the bid. I don't disagree with that. Yes, we should be our own savior, but how are we doing? That's not human nature. You know, we're, we're not, unless, unless there's a crisis, um, I don't think Beacon Hill, I don't think our elect officials will act. You know, I feel like something, I mean, something did catastrophic happen with the tea in the winter, yeah. um, and that got in order, but I think a lot more needs to be done to fix transportation in the city. And so, I mean, I, I feel like we, we just wait for a crisis to happen before we actually come up with bold solutions. So, so I would say yes and no there. And, and look, I do agree that we need to have bold and innovative solutions. And I think about Hub Week, which just occurred where there were a lot of really good ideas presented. And I think there are good things coming out of that. Let's look at the Suffolk Downs site in East Boston, which seems to be the focus of the city's bid. Um, and, and surely, I know you agree, as we talked about, like housing and transportation are two of our, our biggest issues in this region. If we do nothing today, right? And, and the Amazon bid just goes away. Suffolk Downs is slated to become a vibrant mixed development community with thousands of apartments and thousands of units going to be created. And the investor there has said that they are going to invest billions of dollars in Suffolk Downs if we do nothing. And so when we talk about bringing Amazon to town and maybe giving them that site, that actually could be less housing than we're slated for because we're going to turn that into Amazon office space. And the, the $5 billion that they say they're going to spend, well, that's actually not a net $5 billion because there's going to be a couple billion that would have been invested there anyway. And so the $5 billion becomes maybe $2 billion or, or, or $1 billion or even no billion if the developer was going to put in $5 billion themselves. So we have to always think about kind of the pros and the cons and some of these some of these trade-offs here. But I would certainly love to engage in a conversation about what are things we should be doing in transportation that could actually solve some of these core problems, whether Amazon decides to come to Boston or not. I mean, when I look at Suffolk Downs is a great example. Yes, that will get built out, right? But that might take 20, 30 years. Um, yeah. will, will one administration uh, double down and perhaps 
finally connect the red line and the blue line there? They probably won't unless they have some giant Amazon investment um, in upfront knowing that they would come there. So I guess what I'm saying is that I, I think it's 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 a, an exercise for us to kind of rally rally around a bid. Um, but I, I but I understand like there's a high chance we're not going to get it. So so what do we do now if we don't get it? It's sort of a listening to two of you. It sort of sounds like a chicken and egg thing a little bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. You both want the same things. But I was thinking one of the things in the Globe uh, newsroom commentary that, that was in there was uh, sort of a let's talk about the north-south rail link. And this is something I've thought about a bit. I thought it was a crackpot idea initially, and I've slowly come around to thinking it might be a legitimate idea. But that's sort of the way I think we all sort of talk about these things sometimes. And I'm still not convinced that we're still going to need a lot more work to figure out whether this does make sense. And I worry sort of, okay, Amazon, we're going to do it now. And the Baker administration is not convinced it's the best way to go. So I, I'm sort of like, as a reporter, I'm sort of watching both sides struggle to figure this out. And surely I agree with you that you need something to get people to take action. But at the same time, they may take action. It may be the wrong action if if you do it sort of to get this big prize. That's what I get a little worried about. No, I, that's a legitimate worry, and I guess we just have to, if, if, if it gets to the point where we have to make some big investment tied to uh, a company headquarters, that there would be uh, public discussion on what is the right thing to do here. Is this the right decision to make? And, and I think in Massachusetts there would be no shortage of opinions. Yeah, although... In a process like this, it's sort of accelerated pretty dramatically. Not not that you guys said we need to do the North-South Rail Link right now. That's not what you were advocating. That could be a long-run thing. But it sort of seemed like you were suggesting that this is all part of the negotiation. Right, and I guess when I say when, when you when you when I think about an acceleration of let's say something of the North-South Rail Link, to me, it's the difference between discussing it for 20 years versus five years. I mean, we are just very slow at making big decisions here. So when I, I don't think it's something that we would make in a year. I think it would take a long time to get to that point. Hmm. Chris, what do you think? Well, I guess we need to be uh, careful to separate a big idea from a good idea because not every big idea is a good idea. And I think we saw that with Boston 2024. That was a really big idea. And in hindsight, I think it's proven to be a, a pretty big mistake that we focused on that. You know, I think about General Electric coming to Boston, and I think a lot of people have a lot of pride, as do I, that they chose Boston. The site that they chose for their headquarters on Fort Point Channel was slated to be the media center for Boston 2024. So if we had said yes to Boston 2024, we would have had to say no to General Electric. And I, of course, recall Shirley's column saying that General Electric was better than winning the Olympics, right? Oh, come on, they could have so, found another site. Come on, there's but, one, that, that's one other site. But look, you make, you know, make trade-offs, as, as you do with things like North-South Rail Link. I mean, uh, look, um, Governor Dukakis is a political hero of mine. Uh, I grew up in Brookline where you know, he's, he's revered. Um, and in a younger generation, my generation, Seth Moulton is another hero of mine and someone I have immense respect for. And they are big, both big proponents of the project. As you've said, the governor's a little bit more skeptical, and there's a process now to understand and weigh some of those pros and cons. I think it's worth having that conversation about those trade-offs and recognizing that if we do North-South Rail Link, it means that we're not doing other projects, including maybe the Red-Blue Connector. We, have, we live in a world of limited resources and limited options, and so we need to make those choices. 
what I think is important in any of those conversations, and I agree that some of them should be sped up, absolutely, but that we're having an honest conversation about the pros and the cons and not just saying, wow, $5 billion and 50,000 jobs, when we know that that $5 billion is going to displace the housing that would be built at Suffolk Downs. And so all of a sudden that becomes a, a different net number than the gross number of $5 billion. So Chris, so after the Olympic bid went bust, um, and, and a lot of that was talking about investing in housing, workforce housing, uh, transportation. So what's happened in those three years? Do you think we've made a lot of progress on that front? I think we have made incremental progress. I mean, look, as you pointed out, Mayor Walsh has been big on housing creation, and we've seen, I think, a record number of, uh, at least in recent history, record number of housing permits issued in that time. Um, I think on transportation, there's been progress that the governor has made, and we're really happy that he has decided to create a commission to study the question. Um, what I, To the extent that we haven't made progress on those issues, I think it is a recognition that I know you agree with, Shirley, that the politics of some of these things are hard. And what I would say is that um, showing leadership to overcome those challenges, things like, hey, we need net new revenue for our transportation system, which I strongly believe, Showing leadership is not just saying, well, let's bid on Amazon or let's bid on the Olympics and hope that those things fix it. Showing leadership is saying, look, let's talk about new revenue. Instead of this bank shot of saying, well, we, want, we actually want this thing and we hope these other guys will force us to do it, let's just have that conversation. And, and real leadership on that would be saying, we need to have a discussion about how we raise revenue, what the right ways to raise revenue are, and what we want to spend those dollars on. You know we have a Republican governor, right? <laughs> we do. Well, look, you know, we, we, live, we live in a very com you know, complicated state where we've got, I think, a very progressive um, voting block, and we've tended to vote for Republican governors. So that's, you know, that's part of the back and forth. And look, at, you know, when we, were, when we were advocating against the Boston 2024 bid, we were darn glad that Governor Baker was in office and was more skeptical of the uh, multiple billions that wanted to be spent on that. So, Chris, I agree that it shouldn't be the job of an Amazon bid or an Olympic bid to get uh, to get you know some some tough uh, to, to solve our challenges. But uh, but do we have the leadership to to solve those challenges in a big way without a deadline? Well, that look surely that's an open question. Um, and, and I think we'll, we'll see. I do think we have a, many elected leaders that are supportive of these ideas and focused on it and others that are not. What I would say is that Jeff Bezos is not the answer to that. And I, I was thinking of a column by your colleague, Scott Kirstner, a really well done column about what Jeff Bezos knows about Boston. And he talked to a venture capitalist who said, who had worked with Bezos, and he said, Jeff Bezos is an excellent purchaser. What Amazon does better than anything else is it does a good job of buying things to then resell them. And the metaphor here is that what Amazon is doing is it's really trying to diversify its suppliers of headquarters. So right now they're locked into Seattle and they'll move to Boston, which again, I hope they do. I think it would be great to have them or they'll move to New York or they'll move to Montreal or Toronto. And then just like they do when they're purchasing widgets to, or books to resell at Amazon, they are going to do exactly the same negotiation process. So let's say they have HQ1 and HQ2, and then Bezos says, you know what, I'm going to add another 5,000 jobs to one of these two headquarters. Which of these cities is going to give me a better deal? And all of a sudden, it becomes a race to the bottom of who's going to offer more tax credits and who's going to offer more benefits to Amazon at the expense of other things. And so I think we should just be, 
wary of looking at someone like Jeff Bezos, who's an incredibly talented and successful guy, as a savior for cities. He has a legal responsibility to maximize value for his shareholders. That's his focus. His focus is not building a headquarters on the Harbor Islands or fixing the red-blue connector. His focus is on maximizing value. The focus of our elected leaders and our civic leaders should be on maximizing the benefits to Massachusetts and to Boston. And those we have to recognize that those are sometimes very different things. Well, I'm, I'm getting pushed and pulled by the two of you here. <laughs> um, I sort of agree with you in, in some sense, Chris, about that Bezos is not the answer, but I agree with Shirley that he could galvanize some answers that, that, that our political leadership is often incapable of doing. And again, I come back to that north-south rail link. Look, look at how that yeah. sort of evolved. The, the, the standard procedure was we were going to expand South Station. And I think to some extent the Olympic bid sort of changed, well, do we really want a lot of trains sitting over in this area where we thought we could build yep. all this Olympic hoopla? Yep. Um, and then Dukakis comes along and makes a case with Weld and makes a little dent. And then Moulton comes along, Seth Moulton, and makes a big dent, I think. He, he really sort and of... And he's a former train, right? train guy. Yep, he, he's a train he, guy. He, <laughs> and, and most of the guys in, in the congressional delegation don't come up here very often and put, put a stake in the ground on a big local issue that yep. the odds are against them. Yep. Uh, so that sort of opened a lot of eyes, and now you sort of see people talking about it more and more. Um, and Baker's gotten more and more quiet about the prospects for this. And so it's an interesting thing. I don't know if that's good or or bad, because I sort of think this is the way you work things out. You know, Baker may not be here forever, and things may change, but he could be turned around by this debate. And it sort of seems, I sort of feel like that is the way you make these multi-billion dollar big dig-like decisions. You, it shouldn't be a, you know, a, a quick quickie, I guess you'd say. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think that's the right way to go. But Shirley's at the same time right that, God, it just takes forever to, to get to that debate you're talking about, Chris. Mm -hmm. I, it's, it's, it's frustrating. So one of the things I've thought about, and I haven't um, searched for the answers, but maybe be since you are a fan of uh, Dukakis and you've been around long enough to remember this, so how did the big dig get done? I was thinking, like, that must have been incredibly controversial. I mean, I'm not talking about the actual building, but to get to the point where we get funding, we actually do it, that was a big idea that really transformed, I mean, really made us, made the seaport district today, right? Because you right. depress the central artery, um, you created this whole new neighborhood. I mean, that has really helped us become one of the top tech cities in the country. Now all these tech companies are moving there. So how did that happen? Well, a big, a big factor was there was a lot of federal money at that time. So, and Tip O'Neill, I think, uh, used his influence to, to get this done. But I think in the general picture, there was this sense of, um, for those that remember the elevated highway, it was terribly ugly and people were just sitting in traffic constantly. Yep. Now, the big dig was not the answer to that problem because now we're sitting in traffic again. But it was perceived as that will solve, I think it was perceived as that will solve the problem. But what it did, it was buy us more time. Um, so yeah, you do reach a position, and then that decision, with all the overruns that went with it, now casts a shadow, particularly over 
like north south railing. Oh my god, they're thinking about building another, another tunnel. tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know, Chris, what do you think? Well, I think, um, look, the big dig has been transformational, absolutely. And you look at people like Fred Salvucci, who was the Secretary of Transportation for Governor Dukakis and behind the scenes really getting getting things done and moving mountains. One of the challenges of the Central Artery Project is that the annual maintenance on that project is expected to be about $400 million a year. And it doesn't really generate very much revenue. Uh, and so we're now left with problems like that of how do we pay for this stuff? And I think we need to be advancing the conversation on if we want these shiny new big things, how do they get paid for? And that's really the hardest conversation where, and we're the one where we need to see more leadership. When I look at the Amazon bid, and I went through the document, the RFP that they put together, there are things that concern me, but there are things that I'm very optimistic about. They talk about, for example, the, the desire to have walkable communities, the desire to have good public transit connections, the desire to have bike lanes. You don't typically um, see that at a national level that a company's calling for more bike lanes. And those are all things that are going to allow us to get around the city more efficiently than we do today. So there's, there's cause for hope and optimism there. We need to be talking about those things regardless of whether Amazon decides to come here because if other companies like Amazon want to be here, they're going to want those same things. So we need to be making those investments and, and realizing that the world is changing in, in really positive ways in some ways and we can embrace that future. Self-driving cars, that's going to save us, right? All of us. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Cut still, down the traffic. <laughs> I'm still scratching my head about that because, you know, it's it's cars that will still be driving us all around and they'll never never go into a driveway, I guess, somewhere. They'll well, just... there's yeah, there's reasons to be very optimistic about that technology. Uh, it could cut down on deaths on our roadways. You know, Americans, about 40,000 Americans a year die on, on our roadways. It's like Fenway Park every year. Um, and we can cut those down with improved safety. On the other hand, if we just create a world where those cars are circling around, we call them zombie vehicles around our cities, that's going to make emissions worse and congestions worse. So the, the thing here is that we, if, if we put the right policies in place, we can actually get the better outcomes that we want, reduced emissions, more open streets, more access, more equitable access for people of all different types around our city. So it's, again, one of these situations where we need policy leadership to sort of sort out the pros and the cons and end us up in the right place. Just one last little question. If Boston hit lightning in a bottle and it was selected on this, what would that do? I, I, I think there's a thing that you haven't talked about, sort of the mentality of Boston. I think GE coming, sort of people thought, oh, that's pretty cool. They must think we're cool here or something. But if Amazon came, which seems to be a quantum leap bigger, what would that, what kind of impact would that have mentally on Boston, Massachusetts, and it's this sort of thinking about how do we deal with our problems. Do you think it would change our mentality in, in around here? You mean that that because of Amazon's here, we're we're, we're going to be saved? No, no, I don't. I, I don't think anyone thinks that. Right. There'll, there'll always be people saying, "Oh my God, it's just more people on the highways mm -hmm. or whatever." But I think there's a mentality that, um, "Hey, we really are a big deal if they're coming here, and maybe we need to spend more money or." Maybe we need to do have some of these discussions. I wonder mentally, because there's a, for a long time, I've lived here for a, quite a long time, a lot of people here think, oh, God, you know, yeah, no we, one would come here. We definitely suffer from an inferiority complex. <laughs> I actually was doing a little reporting on this front, and I remember talking to economists, and they were like, you know, Boston's in a pretty good place, even without Amazon. Um, and uh, and I think I, I think... I actually think even if we don't get it, we've won already uh, because 
you know, GE, GE can be viewed as a lucky break, right, mm -hmm. uh, moving to Boston. But uh, since the RFP went out, and everybody's been uh, pundits and economists have been putting out lists on who might get uh, the headquarters. And Boston is almost always on that list. Right. And so we have, and, and for tech, and, and the fact that Boston can host a company uh, like Amazon, it, it, it's, it's great for us. I, I feel like we're already there. And But, but I think you make a really good point that if Amazon did come, it would make our elected leaders um, uh, make some big invest more in how to make this city more livable, how to make the region more livable. Yeah, I guess I might disagree on that point because I don't see our elected leaders saying if Amazon comes, we're going to raise more revenue to do these things. So I would be more confident if we saw that connection being made today and not sort of hoping that it comes after. But look, I don't think... Boston or the entire state of Massachusetts needs to feel inferior in any way. U.S. News and World Report ranked us the number one state in the entire country. Boston is, in our economy, is the envy of the world. I mean, we are a city that will potentially cure cancer or figure out the next great tech innovation uh, or create additional life-saving medicines or, or new ideas. I mean, we have, uh, we have the tiger by the tail, so to speak, and we don't, it would be great to have Amazon. It really would. We don't need them to be successful. We will be successful by choosing the right public policies and focusing on how do we get that stuff right, and the and the good stuff will follow from there. So um, I don't know that we need a mentality change. I don't know that we need to think differently about our city um, other than maybe recognizing the amazing things that are already happening here and the incredible opportunities that we have as a world-class city to be even better than we are today. Well, he's not a cynical reporter, is he? <laughs> Well, I want to thank Shirley Leung, columnist for the Boston Globe, and Chris Dempsey, the Director of Transportation for Massachusetts. As always, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. See you next week. Thanks. I guess you have to have a problem if you want to, then a contraption.